Watergate pales, uh, in my view, as, as compared to what we're confronting now. Really? Really? Says the director of national intelligence and just until well, just about a few weeks ago. Calling it Watergate. Right. Worse than Watergate. I'm so scared in case I fall off my chair. And I'm wondering how I'll get down the stairs. Clowns to the left of me. Jokers to the right. Here I am stuck in the middle with you. Yep. Yes, I'm stuck in the Oh, they're middle everywhere. From Pacifica Radio in Los Angeles, this is the broadcast as heard on KPFK 90.7 FM people-powered radio in L.A. In Santa Barbara on 98.7 FM, San Diego 93.7 FM, and Ridgecrest in China Lake, California's 99.5 FM. Up in Oregon on... 91.7 FM, KYAQ on the Central Coast, 106.7 FM, Queso in Cottage Grove. In Lancaster, Pennsylvania on 92.9 FM, WLRI. In Maui, Hawaii on 88.5 FM, KAKU. Columbus, Ohio's WGRN 94.1 FM. Palinville, New York's 102.9 FM. Grand Rapids, Michigan on WPRR and Minneapolis-St. Paul's AM 950. We're also heard streaming coast-to-coast and around the globe every day on the internets every single day on the Progressive Voices channel. Netroots Radio, Indie Media Weekly, FYI Nation, NicoleSandler.com, Radio Free Brooklyn, GDPR Revolution 99, Detour Talk, Radio Monterey, and Radio Sputnik. Blanketing planet Earth five days a week or more. I'm Brad Friedman, your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, and all-around swell fellow says me from bradblog.com. Thank you for joining us for another thrilling, action-packed adventure that we call the Bradcast. And it is great. It is delightful. It is wonderful to be back uh, live here in the studios of our flagship station at uh, KPFK here in Los Angeles. Uh, We have been on Fun Drive here for a number of weeks, so I'm delighted to be back live with you. Uh, My thanks to those of you listeners out here in Southern California and elsewhere who support our flagship station here in L.A. with uh, much-needed contributions to help keep true people-powered radio on your public airwaves, particularly here in one of the nation's most progressive cities. If it wasn't for KPFK, You'd get pretty much nothing but corporate-sponsored talk and nonsense. Um, In any event, uh, it has been (laughs) an amazing few uh, weeks, and because of the fun drive, I haven't been able to open up the phone lines here for a while with all that has been going on over this past month or so, so I hope to make up for that today. Got any thoughts on the White House disaster, the ongoing uh, disaster, the ongoing investigations, the leaks, the whistleblowers? The James Comey testimony coming up tomorrow, uh, and we've now got his prepared test, uh, his prepared statement uh, from his testimony for tomorrow. I'll share that with you momentarily. Whatever, whatever else is on your mind, I'd love to hear from you. Whatever you need to get off your chest, our phone number is and will be 818, there we go, 818-985-5735. That's 818-985-KPFK. Also coming up, even though it's been a 
A terribly, terribly slow week regarding uh, regarding environmental news, Desi Doyen. <laughs> Very uh, funny. I know, well, you know with the president uh, last late last week. This was only late last week, dropping out of the landmark UN Paris Climate Agreement to join Syria and Nicaragua as the only nations on planet Earth who are not going to be a party to that agreement. Desi Doyen, you will join us a bit later. Yes, and I just want to note the yep. United States is the only nation to ever withdraw from that agreement. That's or true. Or to express the intent to do so. See, we're number one. You'll be back with uh, more of the uh, swift and global fallout uh, fr- from that uh, deci- from Donald Trump's decision in our latest Green News report coming up. By the way, if you've got any questions for our own Desi Doyen about that, uh, you can give us a call on that as well. Get in line now, 818-985-5735. So much going on today. Uh, unfortunately, that is now uh, every day. Every day is like that. Uh, but today we've got four top intelligence officials testifying before the U.S. Senate Intelligence Committee, uh, denying that they were pressured, that's their word, pressured by Donald Trump to uh, try to stop the investigation of former National Security Advisor Michael Flynn and his ties to foreign nations, but refusing to answer, at least in open session, whether or not Donald Trump directly asked them to intervene with, uh, with the FBI's investigation in some fashion. Uh, the officials were quizzed on that matter today, uh, including the director of national intelligence, Dan Coats, and the uh, NSA director, Admiral uh, Michael Rogers. So as that was going on, apparently, the White House staff and Congress were being completely blindsided today by Donald Trump and his selection of uh, former deputy of uh, I'm sorry, Department of Justice criminal division head during the George W. Bush administration, and Governor Chris Christie's personal Bridgegate attorney, a guy by the name of Christopher Wray, he is apparently Donald Trump's pick to head up the new uh, head up the FBI to be the new FBI director following the uh, firing of James Comey last month. The Daily Beast reports that senior Trump officials only learned of Ray as the new pick to be the new FBI chief, well, the same way everyone else did today via Trump's announcement on Twitter. He didn't even tell his own top officials in the White House or his own communications team. They had no idea. The announcement did not come with any fact sheets or official press releases, uh, only his Twitter. You would think there would be fact sheets and press releases with news of this uh, import. But no, according to the Daily Beast, it's just the latest instance of President Trump's senior staffers, particularly his communications and press shop, being cut out of the loop, undermined and frazzled by their unpredictable boss and his compulsive tweeting habit. Also left in the dark were key members of Congress who, uh, whose support will be critical for Ray's uh, confirmation in the U.S. Senate. Senator Mark Warner, the ranking Democrat on the U.S. Senate Intelligence Committee, charges that uh, he he thinks that Donald Trump's announcement today was uh, simply a way to distract from the committee's hearings today and tomorrow with uh, the former FBI director himself, James Comey, which brings us to that much anticipated testimony which was uh, released in advance, apparently at the at the request of Comey himself. Uh, 
his full, basically his his prepared statement, his opening statement for this much anticipated hearing before the U.S. Senate Intel Committee on Thursday. Uh, Comey, as uh, noted, was fired by Trump last month amidst the FBI's investigation into the Trump campaign and uh, the transition team's alleged coordination with Russia. And in this statement, Comey details uh, three direct meetings with Donald Trump and two separate one-on-one phone calls that he had with the president. He also notes that there was a total of uh, nine such meetings uh, in, in various uh, in various ways, in person and on the phone over the four months that he served as um, director of the FBI during Donald Trump's tenure. And he notes he only had two, two such meetings with uh, Barack Obama in all the years that he served under him. So uh, three direct meetings with Trump, two separate one-on-one phone calls are detailed in these prepared statements. Two of those in-person meetings Uh, specifically were one-on-one after Trump's inauguration, um, as were the phone calls were also uh, one-on-one, according to Comey. The first one-on-one meeting was that White House dinner in which it had been reported that Donald Trump sought an oath of loyalty from Jim Comey amidst the investigation into his campaign. According to Comey's statement, this concerns the January 27th White House dinner, just the two of them in the uh, in the White House. Comey, uh, Comey writes, the president began by asking me whether I wanted to stay on as FBI director, which I found strange because he had already told me twice in earlier conversations that he hoped I would stay. And I had assured him that I intended to. He said that lots of people wanted my job. And given the abuse I had taken during the previous year, he would understand if I wanted to walk away. My instincts told me that the one-on-one setting and the pretense that this was our first discussion about my position meant the dinner was, at least in part, an effort to have me ask for my job and create some sort of patronage relationship. That concerned me greatly, says Comey, given the FBI's traditionally independent status in the executive branch. I replied that I love my work and intended to stay and serve out my 10-year term as director. And then, because the setup made me uneasy, he says, I added that I was not reliable in the way politicians use that word, but he could always count on me to tell him the truth. I added that I was not on anybody's side politically and could not be counted on in the traditional political sense, a stance I said was in his best interest as the president. A few moments later, the president said, quote, I need loyalty. I expect loyalty. I didn't move, speak, or change my facial expression in any way during the awkward silence that followed. We simply looked at each other uh, in silence. The conversation then moved on, but he returned to the subject near the end of our dinner. At one point, uh, Comey says, I explained why it was so important that the FBI and the Department of Justice be independent of the White House. But near the end of our dinner, the president returned to the subject of my job, saying he was very glad I wanted to stay, adding that he had heard great things about me from uh, Jim Mattis, who's now the defense secretary, Jeff Sessions, who's now the attorney general, and many others. He then said, and these are in quotes, I need loyalty, unquote. I replied, quote, you will always get honesty from me, unquote. He paused and then said, quote, that's what I want, honest loyalty. 
I paused and then said, quote, you will get that from me. As I wrote in the memo I created immediately after the dinner, says Comey, it is possible we understood the phrase honest loyalty differently, but I decided it wouldn't be productive to push it further. The term honest loyalty had helped end a very awkward conversation, and my explanations had made clear what he should expect. I wrote a detailed memo about the dinner immediately afterwards and shared it with the senior leadership team of the FBI. So that is one of the meetings that uh, Comey details here. That was the White House dinner with the president asking him for loyalty, confirming uh, the reports that we've seen uh, previously from The Washington Post on this and uh, New York Times on this. Then the second meeting uh, he details was the February 14 meeting in the Oval Office, that now infamous one-on-one Oval Office meeting uh, in which Trump allegedly asked James Comey to end the investigation into former National Security Advisor Michael Flynn, who had been fired just the day before this Oval Office meeting, before this one-on-one That meeting, uh, according to Comey's uh, testimony uh, submitted uh, and released today by the Senate Intel Committee, took place uh, largely as has been reported. It followed a meeting with other members of the uh, of the staff of the intelligence staff, Vice President Pence, Attorney General Jeff Sessions, Trump's advisor, Steve Bannon and Jared Kushner. They were all in the room in the Oval Office before they were asked to leave so that Trump could speak privately to James Comey only. Here's how Comey described what happened next. He said, when the door by the grandfather clock closed and we were alone, the president began by saying, quote, I want to talk about Mike Flynn. The president began by saying Flynn hadn't done anything wrong in speaking with the Russians, but he had he had to let him go because he had misled the vice president. He added that he had other concerns about Flynn, which he did not then specify. The president then made a long series of comments about the problems with leaks of classified information, a concern I shared and still share. The president then returned to the topic of Mike Flynn, saying he's a good guy and he's been through a lot. He repeated that Flynn hadn't done anything wrong on his calls with the Russians, but had misled the vice president. He then said, quote, I hope you can see your way clear to letting this go to letting Flynn go. He is a good guy. I hope you can let this go, unquote. Now, uh, note, he puts a number of these things in direct quotes, suggesting that his his memos that he took, the contemporaneous notes he he wrote down immediately after some of these meetings, uh, may also confirm these direct quotes. Comey says, I replied only to say that, quote, he is a good guy. And he adds, in fact, I had positive experience dealing with Mike Flynn when he was a colleague uh, of his as director of defense of the Defense Intelligence Agency at the beginning of his term of the beginning of Comey's FBI term. Uh, Comey goes on to say, I did not say I would, quote, let this go. That despite the request from Donald Trump, the president of the United States. After the meeting, Comey uh, says that he immediately prepared an unclassified memo detailing that conversation regarding Flynn and discussed the matter with FBI senior leadership so other people knew about it. He says he understood the president to be requesting that we drop any investigation of Flynn in connection with false statements about his conversations with the Russian ambassador in December. 
and that he did not understand the pres and he did not understand the president to be talking about the broader investigation into Russia or possible links to his campaign, but only about the Flynn matter. Comey adds, I could be wrong, but I took him to be focusing on what had just happened with Flynn's departure. That was the day before. And the controversy around his account of his phone calls. Regardless, Comey adds, it was very concerning given the FBI's role as an independent investigative agency. Shortly afterwards, and and this uh, corroborates reporting by the New York Times just last night, uh, Comey says he spoke with the attorney general, Jeff Sessions, in person and took the opportunity to implore the attorney general to prevent any future direct communications between the president and him. He says, I told the AG that what had just happened, uh, him being asked to leave while the FBI director who reports to the AG remained behind, was inappropriate and should never happen again. Uh, Attorney General Jeff Sessions, according to Comey, did not reply. Comey then details two different phone calls from Donald Trump that happened thereafter, direct phone calls, one in late March, another in mid-April, in which Trump, according to Comey, described the Russian the described the Russia investigation as, quote, a cloud that was impairing his ability to act on behalf of the country. He said he had nothing to do with Russia, had not been involved with hookers in Russia and had always assumed he was being recorded when in Russia. He asked, what could we do to, quote, lift the cloud? I responded that we were investigating the matter as quickly as we could and that there would be great benefit if we uh, if we didn't find anything to having our uh, to having done our work well. Trump agreed, but then reemphasized the problems that this was causing him. He did this over at least two separate phone calls described by James James Comey in his testimony for the U.S. Senate Intelligence Committee. Uh, He was uh, he was asked, uh, Comey says he was asked by the congressional hearing. uh, I'm sorry, he was asked about the congressional hearing. Trump asked him about the congressional hearing in which Comey had confirmed that uh, still ongoing uh, investigation at the time, the FBI investigation, now a special counsel investigation into Trump's associates, potential uh, coordination with various Russians. Uh, He explained that he'd uh, private he had privately briefed congressional leadership. Comey had on exactly which individuals we were investigating and that we had told those congressional leaders that we were not personally investigating President Trump which is something that Comey confirms he has to, he told uh, Trump two different times in various ways that, in fact, he was not personally investigating Trump. You'll recall in that firing letter that was sent from Donald Trump to James Comey, Trump opened it by thanking him for assuring him three different times that he was not personally under investigation. Based on Comey's testimony, that appears to be true. It does seem... Uh, From Comey's testimony, if I'm understanding it correctly, and I'm sure there'll be a lot more on this when he testifies uh, before the Senate Intelligence Committee on Thursday. But it does appear that he did tell Donald Trump three times he was not personally being investigated. Comey then goes on to say that Trump asked him to somehow, quote, get word out 
that he was not personally being investigated and did so again also in that second call in which once again he was asked he asked him to try and get out word that he's not being uh, investigated by the FBI and uh, reiterated again that the entire matter was a cloud that was getting in his way getting in the way of his ability to do his job. At the end of that April 11 call, according to Comey, Trump said, I've been very loyal to you, very loyal. We had that thing, you know. Comey says, I did not reply or ask him what he meant by that thing. I said only that the way to handle his request to get out word was to have White House counsel call the acting deputy attorney general and share his concerns. By that point, Jeff Sessions, the attorney general, had recused himself from the investigation. So call the acting attorney general, acting deputy attorney general, and and share those concerns. Comey says that uh, Trump said that was what he would do, and the call ended. That was the last time I spoke with President Trump. Comey also notes that he was uh, careful he, of, of, of saying that uh, while uh, he wasn't currently being, Trump currently wasn't being investigated, he felt that it was possible that could change in the future, so he did not give him any guarantees. But that's where we are. That's where we are in the James Comey uh, situation at this moment in advance of his open testimony before the Senate Intelligence Committee on Thursday. So, uh, so hey, what do you make of that? <laughs> Any thoughts on that? Uh, 818-985-5735 is our phone number. Does that sound like obstruction of justice to you by the president of the United States? If so, is that an impeachable offense? As many have been arguing, uh, was it inappropriate for Comey uh, to inform Trump that he was not at that time personally being investigated by the FBI? 818-985-5735 is our phone number. Um, Donald Trump's personal attorney, what's this guy, Mark Kasowitz is his name, uh, has released a statement uh, moments ago in response to Comey's testimony saying the president is pleased that Mr. Comey has finally confirmed his private reports that the president was not under investigation in any Russia probe. Kasowitz uh, adds in the statement, the president feels completely and totally vindicated. And he's eager to move forward with his agenda. Is he vindicated? Uh, Do you read it that way? Do you hear it that way? 818-985-5735 is our phone number. Uh, We spoke uh, earlier this week on the broadcast with the uh, Nation Magazine's John Nichols. Um, who argues that uh, impeachment proceedings based on all of this, all of the above, should begin, must begin uh, right away. He says that they could start immediately and that Democrats uh, who seem to be suggesting, as they did under George W. Bush, that impeachment is off the table, um, that they seem to be doing that again. They they seem to be taking it off the table uh, uh, And that at least until and if they take back Congress in 2018 and maybe even longer. Nichols argues that they risk political blowback by arguing that uh, that Trump is so terrible, but not demanding accountability, not uh, promising to impeach him. 
uh, perhaps fearing it may harm their chances of taking back the House and the Senate in uh, in 2018 and the White House in 2020. Will that harm their chances if they make that promise? I suggested to uh, to John, hey, you know, why don't they go out and say, give us the majority in Congress and we will impeach? Would that be a good idea? Or do you agree with the uh, ass- the assessment from some Democrats that uh, it was the same argument they made during the, the Bush era, putting impeachment off the table? And they did, in fact, win back the House and the Senate and the White House. So were they right not to seek impeachment then? If so, um, how about now? <laughs> So 818-985-5735 is our phone number. Let's uh, let's take a quick break and come back with your calls on that and more, including, if you like, uh, we covered the leaked NSA document concerning that analysis, uh, arguing that Russian intelligence attempted and or succeeded to work their way into the computers of local election officials. Uh, around the country, giving them access to the computers that program voting machines, tabulators, voter registration systems, etc. We we discussed that story in great and impassioned detail on yesterday's broadcast. Uh, you can download it at bradblog.com. But but what of that young woman, the 25-year-old defense contractor? Uh, I'm sorry, NSA contractor, I should say. Uh, ironically named reality winner. Uh, she is alleged to have leaked that document, uh, that NSA document. Uh, she has now been arrested and charged with espionage. Former NSA contractor and legal, I'm sorry, leaker Edward Snowden had a comment on that last night, which I'll try to share with you after this break. And of course, all of that and those concerns once again about our elections. Uh, all of that comes just two weeks before the big U.S. House special election in Georgia's 6th District which will be run on 100 percent unverifiable touchscreen voting systems, as we also discussed in detail in yesterday's show with Marilyn Marks, the election integrity advocate who is suing Georgia right now. I think she's in court today to force paper ballots in that upcoming election. Our number is 818-985-5735. Give me a call uh, on that or anything else you want to talk about. We'll be right back. I'm Brad Friedman, and you are listening to The Bradcast. Hey, this is Brad. Given the outcome of the 2016 election, we really need your support now more than ever. Progressive media outlets have been under attack for years, even during supposedly progressive administrations. We are now facing a whole new world and real alternatives to the mainstream corporate media. You know, the folks who got it all wrong from the jump must be able to continue the fight for all of us. This is not a drill. It never was. Please consider a donation to our work here on the Bradcast by stopping by bradblog.com donate to help out however you can. A monthly pledge is greatly appreciated, but anything you can share will keep us going. That's bradblog.com donate. And please consider supporting whichever progressive media outlet is serving you. Most, just like us, do not receive corporate or political support. We all need your support to keep up the resistance, now more than ever. From Desi Doyen and myself, thank you. Yeah. 
Yep. Welcome back to the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. Uh, reality used to be a friend of mine, but I hate to say that now because it might get me a visit from the FBI since the woman arrested for leaking NSA documents happens to be named Reality Winner. Coming up, your phone calls, 818-985-5735 on impeachment and James Comey's uh, testimony and more. Also, Desi Doyen with the Green News Report. Uh, and fallout from Trump's decision to pull out of the Paris Climate Accord. Uh, but have you got any questions on the uh, on these leaked NSA documents released this week by The Intercept alleging that Russian intelligence operatives used some very basic, totally pretty basic uh, spear phishing uh, skills that any hacker could use? to obtain passwords and usernames of a voter registration uh, firm employee uh, down in Florida, which um, this, this voter registration firm, VR System, does business in about uh, eight separate states in the U.S. But they got this information in order to then contact local election officials around the country with a, a malware-infected Microsoft Word document, which gave them direct access to whatever those election officials uh, were able to access from their own computer, uh, for example, to the programming of, of voting machines and tabulators and voter registration systems. Discuss those concerns in detail on yesterday's broadcast. Uh, you can get it at uh, bradblog.com or kpfk.org or at iTunes, your favorite, whatever your favorite podcast site is. Um, but how this makes the concerns even greater about this upcoming U.S. House special election in Georgia. Uh, makes it all the more troubling that it's being run on 100 percent verifiable touchscreen voting system. So questions, thoughts on that? 818-985-5735 is our phone number. My guest on yesterday's show, uh, Marilyn Marks, uh, is one of the plaintiffs in court today seeking to force the Georgia Secretary of State to use hand-counted, hand-marked paper ballots for that U.S. House elections, House election uh, on June 20. That election has now shattered the record as the most expensive in U.S. House history. Uh, tens of millions of dollars are now being spent for this seat in Georgia's 6th Congressional District. And yet, we will have no idea if the winner actually won or the loser actually lost, because it's 100 percent unverifiable uh, if you vote at the polls on Election Day with these touchscreen voting systems. Marilyn Marks made the case for why hand-counted paper ballots, particularly in this race, are, in her words, faster, cheaper, more efficient, and far more transparent. She also uh, detailed that this race has already seen its voter database get hacked in early March, that electronic voter registration poll book computers were stolen on the weekend before the primary election in April, that a computer tabulator uh, failure on primary night brought the brought the whole thing to a standstill for several hours. So I welcome your call on that, too. But I wanted to uh, share this very quickly, these comments from Edward Snowden on Reality Lee Winner, the 25-year-old U.S. Air Force vet and NSA contractor who was working for a private firm uh, in Georgia, by the way, who was arrested over the weekend and charged under the Espionage Act for leaking those NSA documents to The Intercept, which uh, published them earlier this week. Snowden says, much is unknown as the public is made to depend upon the potentially unreliable claims of government prosecutors while Winner is held in jail without any contact with the public. What we do know is clear, says Snowden, 
Winner is accused of serving as a journalistic source for a leading American news outlet about a matter of critical importance, of, of critical public importance. For this act, she has been charged with violating the Espionage Act, a World War I-era uh, law, a World War I-era law meant for spies, which explicitly forbids the jury from hearing why the defendant acted and bars them from deciding whether the outcome was to the public's benefit. That's right. According to the law, the Espionage Act, if you're charged with that, you can't make the case to the jury why you did this or why it was uh, to the benefit of the public. Snowden goes on to say this often condemned law provides no space to distinguish the extraordinary disclosure of inappropriately classified information in the public interest, which he describes as whistleblowing, from the malicious disclosure of secrets to foreign governments by those motivated by a specific intent to harm their countrymen. The prosecution of any journalistic source without due consideration by the jury as to the harm or benefit of the journalistic activity is a fundamental threat to the free press. As long as a law like this remains on the books in a country that values fair trials, it must be resisted. No matter one's opinion of the propriety of the charges against her, we should all agree winner should be released on bail pending trial. She's still being held. He says, even if you take all the government allegations as true, it's clear that she is neither a threat to public safety nor a flight risk to hold a citizen incommunicado and indefinitely while awaiting trial for the alleged crime of serving as a journalistic source should outrage us all. That's from Edward Snowden, his statement uh, in response to the arrest, the first arrest of uh, anyone who has uh, leaked classified information from the Trump administration. So I'd, I'd be surprised if anyone disagreed with that last part about not holding her um, indefinitely. Uh, but what of Snowden's claims here that uh, obviously he's got a dog in this hunt when it comes to uh, the use of the 1917 Espionage Act uh, in a case like this. But wh what penalty, if anyone, should someone like Reality Winner face for leaking highly classified top secret documents to the media? Uh, leaks of classified information happens all the time by the government. It's rarely prosecuted because it's usually something that the government wants to leak. But leaks under the Trump administration have been a different, uh, a different, uh, and and a different matter altogether, more than any other presidency, as far as I can tell. Your thoughts on that? Eight one eight nine eight five five seven three five. If you'd like to get in, uh, let's take some calls here. Uh, I know a lot of you want to talk about impeachment. Let's go to Emma in Pasadena. Hey, Emma, welcome to the broadcast. Thank you. Listen, I think the strategy here behind not going forward with an impeachment is not to play one's hand, okay? Because a rep it's merely a reprimand, and it won't uh, cause Trump to... Uh, step down. Sure, I'd like to see him squirm publicly. Impeachment is a impeachment is a reprimand, Emma. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. It's a reprimand. It doesn't mean he has to resign. Um, and I think what an impeachment would do would play the hand of what people have, and it would denigrate and trivialize the case against Trump with a future and more certain um, investigation. You know, people who are ethical and do things correctly do things. Uh, uh, to to detail and, and carefully, mm -hmm. whereas Trump just comes out and accuses people without any evidence and destroys people. I do think that there's a strategy here, and I'd also like to say mm -hmm. that the strategy Comfy has, has taken is superb and is, is very clever indeed to come out ahead of time and frame this hearing. Of In other words, he is... 
He is now uh, protecting his own integrity, which I think he's obligated to, so that he can't be incriminated. But he is avoiding the interruptions and the games that people play and the questions that are irrelevant. And he is simply and sophisticatedly stated and probably keeping to the detail of his subpoena what he was required to. I think it's a very clever strategy, and I think the Republicans are going to have to attack him ad hominem, excuse me, emotionally. They're going to come up with ridiculous attacks, but they will not have substance. Well, Emma, uh, two, two quick points here. Uh, one, uh, in regard to impeachment, um, impeachment is an investigation. It is the first step towards removal from office. Uh, you, you impeach a president in the House, and then you vote whether or not to send the case to the, uh, to the Senate, where there is a trial uh, that can result in the removal of the president. So it's it's not just a, a, a statement, So well, to be clear. My, com- my concern yeah. here is that Trump has seated the Republican Party, um, mm-hmm. and people seem to be cowered by him or somehow intimidated by him. And that's my concern, is that he would come before the House and that it wouldn't likely go anywhere and that it would therefore trivialize and uh, take away from from facts. I mean, do, I, do you feel? Do you feel, Emma? Do you feel that uh, Donald Trump is a danger to the country and the world? I think he's a pathologue. I think he is a seriously dangerous man. I think he's acting like a thug, bringing Comey in and trying to get it, you know. So it, isn't that you know, isn't that reason enough? If he's a danger uh, to the country, to the world, isn't that reason en- enough to begin the process of removing him from office? Absolutely, but then you're going to get you're going to fight the what they call the Goldwater Rule. You're familiar with that? The the which the Goldwater Rule? Goldwater Rule back in 1964, uh, there was question as to the sanity of Barry Goldwater, Senator Goldwater, because he was uh, right pr- promoting nuclear uh, yeah. bombing of okay. was Vietnam. I can't remember specifics. Okay, so what the, the, what they ruled was that this is not fair for people to. Um, unless he is he's personally examined. Now, how are you going to get Trump uh, personally examined? Well, if for I mean, one, I mean, it wouldn't be an, uh, an impeachment because he's insane. It would be an impeachment for uh, obstruction of justice, uh, uh, you know, violation of the emoluments clause of the Constitution and so forth. And then as far as getting uh, the president to uh, to testify, well, they can call witnesses in the U.S. Senate, as happened during the impeachment of, uh, of Bill Clinton, uh, to, to hold him accountable for these well, and to ask I him those questions. I think we're dealing with right. a different time. I'd love to see it happen, and I agree. Perhaps that's what they're doing. They're getting it all together because, all right. as I said, ethical people have to get all their ducks lined up all with right. the evidence. Thanks, Emma. I appreciate uh, your thoughts. You. I'll take that as a vote for now, at least against impeachment of the president. Let me go to John in Anaheim. Hey, John, welcome to the broadcast. Hey, Brad. So um, I guess I'm a vote for waiting until 2018 as well. Um, I want him out of office as much as everybody else right now. But um, if we impeach him right now, we'll have Mike Pence. And after Mike Pence, I think the next in line is Sessions, and after that it's Paul Ryan or whatever order. Mm -hmm. If we wait until 2018, the Democrats have the majority, then we'll have uh, Nancy Pelosi or Chuck Schumer instead of somebody that would be just as bad uh, you know, uh, or along the lines of that. Uh, right. and we'd have that for two years until we get to vote again. So. Well, you would actually have, uh, if you waited until 2018, uh, and if the, uh, the the Democrats were successful in taking back the House to carry out an impeachment, um, and if that impeachment then went to the Senate for a trial, and if 
Trump was removed from office, you would still have Mike Pence filling uh, in oh, uh, yeah, uh, yeah, as president, yeah, yeah, and you would have Nancy. The, the third uh, person in line uh, okay. for that office is the Speaker of the House, Paul Ryan, or that yeah. would be Pelosi in theory. Yeah. But, but Agnew didn't make it uh, uh, after Nixon. I mean, so— uh, Agnew, like, Agnew had like, resigned Pence. before— yeah, so Nixon. We, it's, we're, still, we're still setting ourselves up with enough time to figure out how to get Pence out as well, I guess. Okay. But I don't. I, I think it might be as much as I want it to happen. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think it might just be jumping the gun, and it might just lead to a whole slew of other problems. Unfortunately, this is the way the politics work. It's not like it's not going to be like completely all all cleaned up and and you know tidy when we get him out of office it's going to be messy no matter what happens for the next 3 years so well when you get him if you get him out of office yeah, and yeah, uh, I'm yeah i'm sorry i'm sorry yeah you know you're right all right uh so uh again another vote against uh beginning impeachment proceedings against uh, Donald Trump 8189855735 is our phone number if you'd like to ring on this let me go to uh to Mike in Alhambra hey Mike welcome to the broadcast Thanks very much, Brad. Sure. And I'm on the uh, let's not impeach Trump uh, bandwagon also. For really? My first, uh, my, the first thing that popped to my mind was if we couldn't get rid of Scott Walker in Wisconsin and again reelected the guy when he came up uh, shortly after, then I don't think you're going to get Trump out. And um, I think to, to have his presidency clouded with all the scandals that are going on right now, mm-hmm. drag that over until 2018, people are going to be weary of it more of a chance to take back the House and the Senate. And uh, like the previous caller said, I think that Pence would be a lot more damage to the United States because, or to pro- a progressive agenda because he knows how to get things done. He's a politician, a lifelong politician, mm-hmm. and he knows how to work with Congress, and he would get things done that we don't like. So that's where I think it's going. Mike, do you believe the, uh, that uh, Donald Trump has, uh, has carried out high crimes and misdemeanors? I think it's too soon to tell, but my, my gut instinct is, you know, it's a drip, drip, drip thing. Mm-hmm. You keep hearing drip, drip, drip about Russia, 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 where there's smoke, there's fire. So that's uh, that's my instinct. Mm-hmm. But until we see the actual facts, I don't think there's going to be much of a chance. And if you saw those facts uh, tomorrow, would you and, and you felt that, yes, he has, in fact, com- uh, committed high crimes or misdemeanors, uh, whether it's about Russia or anything, would you then call for impeachment or would your own political uh, process uh, allowing what you think would allow the Democrats to come back into office? You'd put that before removing a president from office? I think that if you could get enough Republicans to join with the Democrats and yeah. vote for impeachment. Yeah, Absolutely. Uh, because then, then you've got Republicans admitting that he he deserved impeachment. But only if you know in advance uh, that that would be the case. Because remember, impeachment is an investigation. That's where that's the fact finding to find out if in fact high crimes and misdemeanors were in fact uh, uh, carried out. And by the way, I note, um, Mike, that you say that hey, if they couldn't get rid of Scott Walker, if he was reelected. Um, basically what you're saying, what you're suggesting is uh, Donald Trump will also be reelected in 2020. We'll have eight years here of this, uh, right? I, excuse me. I think it could backfire. Yeah, sure. I do. I do think it could backfire. All right. All right. I appreciate the call, Mike. Thank you very much. Uh, let me go to uh, Tully in Orange County. Hey, Tully, welcome to the broadcast. Hey, Brad. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. I want to talk about the uh, reality winner situation. Uh-huh. Yeah, so uh, I worked in the military intelligence community, as she had had done before. She started working for this contractor, right? Right. 
contractor with the NSA. So here's the deal. Uh, when you go to work for these people, when you go to work for the National Security Agency, mm-hmm. you have to take an oath of fidelity, and you have to raise your hand, and you have to sign all kinds of confidentiality documents, okay? Mm-hmm. Right. So you are surrendering the right to make a decision about, you know, leaking documents. That's not an option, mm-hmm. okay? Uh, but but whether you're making that oath or not, if you are releasing something that you feel is uh, of uh, great public interest, perhaps in the uh, interest of national security, um, right. that's, that's, to, that's the argument. That's yeah. the argument. However, yeah. uh, you don't have the right. Number one, you don't have the right to make that decision. You already surrendered your right uh-huh. because you're no longer on the outside. You're on the inside. And number two, if you do that. You are committing a crime, mm-hmm. and then you have to be willing to take the consequences. And and if uh, if a, a a serious crime is being carried out, if a constitutional, uh, if the Constitution itself is being violated, also you're you're I suggesting mean, you do not release that information to the public. Well, I hear you, but unfortunately, when you take a job with yeah. them and you give an you have an oath of fidelity, you know you are not in a position to, uh, you know, make that kind of call. All right. You've, you've already given your word and made a commitment, you know, to keep those secrets. Yeah. Well, uh, I hear you. I appreciate uh, I appreciate those thoughts, Tully. Um, I'm not sure I agree with them, particularly if we're talking about uh, revealing uh, crimes, revealing uh, violations of the Constitution, national security issues. I don't know that what Reality Winner actually released rises to that level. I'm I'm not sure how I feel about that yet. Um, but uh, but I hear you, and I appreciate that call. Let me go to uh, Chuck in Burbank. Hey, Chuck, welcome to the broadcast. Hey, thanks for taking my call. Very quick comment. Uh, you know, the fact that Trump uh, indicates that he's not under investigation, that Comey indicated that to me is just very clear sign of insecurity on his part. Uh, you know, something that Shia would say, you know, a kid, uh, you know, I think that guilty conscience is very clear there. Mm. That's about, that's all I wanted to state. I appreciate it. I appreciate the call, uh, Chuck. Thank you very much. Uh, 818-985-5735 is our phone number. Uh, Desi Doyen, uh, get ready. You're coming up with the uh, Green News Report momentarily. Let me see if I can fit in another quick call or two. Uh, Carlos in Glendale. Hey, Carlos, very quickly. Uh, welcome to the broadcast, sir. Well, hi, Brad. Thank you for having me on. Sure. I wanted to comment on the impeachment process. Mm-hmm. Uh, I believe that uh, an investigation needs to be started as quickly as possible, because even if we do get rid of uh, our president, Mr. Trump, and we replace him with the vice president, Mr. Pence, uh, at that point, Mr. Pence will be aware of the possibility of impeachment for him also, should there be uh, malfeasance on his part or some behavior that constitutes high crimes or misdemeanors. On the other hand, uh, Mr. Pence, as was stated before by another caller, has experience, understands the political community, understands he has to work with Congress. Even his own people may not agree with everything he says. And there is a a bit more likelihood that uh, things would settle down, even with Mr. Pence. 
On the other hand, yeah. um, that would give Democrats a chance in the meantime to organize, reorganize. Not that I agree with the Democratic Party because I believe they completely blew it during this election by not supporting uh, Bernie Sanders. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, um, that would give them an opportunity to organize and pressure or at least influence more Republican Congress people to uh, follow through with an investigation, impeachment, and see if there really is reason to get rid of this irrational uh, uh, person. Uh, 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 take it easy there, Carlos. I know. We're... <laughs> all right. Hey, listen, I, I appreciate the call. I appreciate the thoughts uh, on all of the above. I got to get to a break here shortly. So thanks for that, uh, Carlos. Let me do one more before I go to the break and the green news, and we'll try to get to a couple more. Uh, David in West Hollywood. Uh, I got to get to a break very quickly, uh, David, but uh, but your thoughts in response to, uh, I believe, uh, Tully and his his thoughts about being an NSA yeah, contractor. Tully. Yeah, Tully. <laughs> Right, and and uh, and obviously he owes uh, fidelity to the to the NSA, but he but we all owe our ultimate fidelity to the Constitution. When those two come in conflict, the Constitution should trump, as they say, as it were. Yeah, and I believe that those oaths they take, including the uh, oath by the President of the United States, is uh, an oath to it's protect to the, Constitution. the Constitution. Exactly. Absolutely. Thanks, David. I appreciate that call very much. Uh, we'll see if we can get if you're on the line. Hang on. I'll try to get you some more after the uh, after the GNR coming up. Let's take a quick break. I'm Brad Friedman. This is your broadcast. Don't touch that dial. Hi, this is Desi Doyen from the Green News Report and the Bradcast, both brought to you without corporate or political influence. Why? Because we rely on you to help keep us completely independent. Please drop by bradblog.com donate today and help us stay on your public airwaves. That's bradblog.com donate. You'll thank yourself later. I'll thank you now. That can mean only one thing. Hey, Desi Doyen. Hey. It is time for you and our, yes, our latest Green News Report. It's a big one, too, I, I think. You got that ready to go, G? Yep. All right. Here we go. Uh, we, we, she, she needs to stop the world. All right, let's go. Our latest Green News Report. <laughs> I reaffirm clearly that the Paris Agreement remains irreversible and will be implemented. Fallout is swift and global after Trump abandons Paris climate agreement. Aren't you and the president talking about protecting the horse and buggy business just as cars come online? Even Fox News questions the economic case for exiting the UN climate accord. Pittsburgh is the poster child of showing why the Paris agreement is good economics for the United States. As states and cities step up to fulfill U.S. pledges. Plus, India announces it will sell only electric vehicles by 2030. They're moving ahead. We're not. All of those stories and more straight ahead from Bradblog.com. I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyen. Stand by for six minutes of independent green news, politics, analysis, and snarky comment. I said during my confirmation process that climate change is occurring, uh, that human activity contributes to it. He's also Uh, said it was a hoax. Well, Chris, the, the point here... And to your question. Is, uh, the point is uh, something that I'll figure out in a second. This is your 
Green News Report. Okay, Desi Doyen, I am so sorry that it has been so slow of late (laughs) in the environmental news world. I hope... I hope you can come up with something to cover today. Oh, I'm sure I'll manage. Okay. Say about the global swift fallout following United States President Donald Trump's announcement on Thursday that he will withdraw the United States from the United Nations Paris Agreement on Climate Change, the landmark global accord signed by 195 nations to cut man-made carbon emissions that cause dangerous global warming. Yeah, that went over really well, didn't it? Yeah, not so much. World leaders have all reaffirmed that they will move on with the global climate agenda without the U.S. French President Emmanuel Macron threw in a little light trolling when he reiterated that the Paris Agreement will be implemented globally. We all share the same responsibility. Make our planet great again. Oh, snap. Ironically, Trump's withdrawal finally got the broadcast news networks to actually cover climate change and the Paris Agreement. EPA Administrator Scott Pruitt did a victory lap on all of the Sunday morning news shows, but he did get some pushback. Fox News' Chris Wallace questioned the wisdom of retreating from the global clean energy race. The U.S. now employs more than double the number of people in the solar industry that it does in coal. Aren't you and the president talking about protecting the horse and buggy business just as cars come online? Wow. If you got Fox News, Chris Wallace asking those questions, you know those guys are in trouble. And by the way, Scott Pruitt had no other answer other than, well, we need coal around uh, near the power plants in case there's a national emergency. Well, you know what? Fine. Dig up some coal, put it in a pile, put it next to a power plant and let the rest of us get on with a clean, livable planet. Here at home, a new poll finds nearly 60 percent of Americans oppose Trump's decision to withdraw from the Paris Accord, and that includes a quarter of Republicans who say that they believe it will hurt America's standing in the world and will damage the U.S. economy. American states and cities are defying Trump's decision to halt U.S. action on climate change. On Friday, they announced the formation of the U.S. Climate Alliance. It's a growing group of cities, states, and corporations that will submit their own pledges to the United Nations in order to fulfill the United States' promised emissions targets that Trump has abandoned under the Paris Agreement. As of airtime, 12 governors, including two Republican governors, and more than 200 mayors have signed on. Trump singled out the city of Pittsburgh in his speech. I was elected to represent the citizens of Pittsburgh, not Paris. Well, that didn't go over well with the guy who actually represents Pittsburgh, Mayor Bob Peduto, a Democrat who touted that Pittsburgh has actually reinvented itself as a green technology hub. I was uh, outraged. Pittsburgh is the poster child of showing why the Paris Agreement is good economics for the United States. And what we did today sets us back decades. Peduto announced he signed new executive orders mandating the city's government will move to 100% renewable electricity sources and will convert its vehicle fleet to hybrid and electric cars. It should also be noted that while Donald Trump thinks he represents Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh voted 80% for Hillary Clinton. 
Speaking of electric cars, the government of India has announced new plans to sell only electric cars by 2030. That's to reduce the deadly fossil fuel air pollution that kills more than a million people in India alone every year. The move to electric cars is projected to save India more than $60 billion a year in imported oil costs, and the switch to electric vehicles could decrease India's carbon emissions by nearly 40 percent by 2030. And yet, for all of those years, Republicans kept telling us that China and India would never do anything to reduce emissions. Going out now to buy Tesla stock. For all of those stories and the ones we couldn't get to, check out our website at greennews.bradblog.com. I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyen. And this has been your Green News Report. Electric car on roads so dark to change the end, rewrite the start. Electric car, so good so far. So good so far. Thank you very much, Desi Doyen. Greatly appreciated. Very quickly, before we get out of here, let's go to Morris, the the greatest caller in uh, in all of talk radio. Hey, Mo, how are you, sir? Hey, I appreciate that, Brad. I'm reading a book now called The Man Without a Face, The Unlikely Rise of Vladimir Putin, written by Marsha Gessen. Uh, after you read the book, you'll find out who the president of the United States really is, and it's not Donald Trump. Who is it? Thank you very much. Oh, he left us on a cliffhanger. We have no idea who Donald Trump actually is. Guess we have to read the book. Thank you, Morris. Appreciate the call. Thanks to my producer, Desi Doyen, uh, and to you. Boy, I've missed uh, the live callers here in L.A. Uh, Thanks to you for spending a portion of your day or night with us. It is greatly appreciated. Uh, You can drop me an email if you like. I'm bradcast at bradblog.com. And you can and should find, follow us, and share us worldwide on the Facebooks and the Twitters at The Brad Blog. Use hashtag Bradcast. I'll see you over there, and we'll see you on the air in our next thrilling episode of The Bradcast. That's coming up tomorrow. Don't miss it. Until then, I'm Brad Friedman. Good luck, world. Good luck, world.